On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Performance Anxiety Podcast on the Pantheon Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Mark. And two legends join the podcast for this episode. Danny Korchmar and Steve Postel hop on to talk about what got them into music in the first place. Steve defines what a musical director actually does. Danny discusses his Spinal Tap connection and working with Carol King. And while Danny was producing albums with Neil Young and others, Steve was touring Man of La Mancha with Bonnie Raitt's dad, John. They had very different paths with their careers, but they converged to form The Immediate Family, a cover band that plays all original material. Danny and Steve, along with Wadi Wachtel, Leland Sklar, and Russ Kunkel are The Immediate Family, and they've just released a live EP. It's a great mix of new songs and classics, but they aren't covers. So give the band a follow at the IMMED family on Instagram and on Twitter. We can be found at Performance ANX on both. You can support us with a review, merch at performanceanx.threadless.com or a cup of coffee at ko-fi.com slash performanceanxiety. And I hope you enjoy Danny Korchmar and Steve Pastel of The Immediate Family on Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network. I'll start. This is Danny Korchmar. You're listening to Performance Anxiety. This is Steve Postel, and since I've had a lot of that in my life, we're in the right place. Danny's new camera on? I don't see it. You don't see me? Wait, wait, wait. Uh, start video? No. Uh, uh, yeah, if you hit that, that little uh, camera icon, it should just pop on the uh, the the camera there. There we go. Later. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Excellent. One well, of these days I'll figure this stuff out, hey, but you know. You and me both, man. <laughs> it's good to start this way because we're already anxious. Yeah. <laughs> I do want to find out. Usually what I like to do is start off by finding out about how you got into music in the first place and going over some of your careers, but it would take me several days of recording you guys straight to go through your histories. And I'm sure you guys are a little tired of telling the same stories all the time. So what I do want to know is what got you into music in the first place and what made you really want to pursue it as a career. So, uh, Danny, what about, how, how about you? Let's start with you. Well, you know, it just rang my bell when I was eight years old. I started listening to Little Richard and, Bo, and Fats Domino and Bo Diddley, and it just rang my bell. It just, I said, that's it. That is it. It really tore me up. Not just that, but the Moon Glows and, and also uh, uh, Carl Perkins and Eddie Cochran and Gene Vincent. So all of it really got to me because it was music for my generation. And it was also, I'd started playing guitar a little bit. Well, yeah, a little bit by then. And that music was guitar music. It wasn't jazz. It wasn't in B flat, E flat, A flat, those other, you know, those, those standard keys. Right. I related to it because it was in guitar keys, and I loved that. So it just rang my bell, and I, and I went from there. I just followed my instincts, really, wow. uh, throughout all my career, starting with my love for the big B, I would say. So you were in the single digits, and you just, you just knew. Yeah, that's right. Wow. Steve, what about you? 
Well, I think I think you will find if you ask a lot of us lifers, it started early. I was uh, a little younger than Danny. I was I was intrigued from the first time I heard music. Loved the guitar. When I was five, my parents took me to see Segovia. Oh wow! I was fascinated with the guitar. And then when I was six years old, I stayed up and watched the Beatles on Ed Sullivan, and that was it. There was no. There really was. I begged them for a guitar. It took about a year and a half because my hands they thought were too small, and it just never was an option to to to, to do any. The the love of it was just profound, and and even as a young kid, I never really thought about doing anything else. That's oh, so both of you, it hit you really early. That's amazing. But all right, so Steve, you're. Your career didn't really start off in rock, though, did it? It, it? Didn't it start off in more of a theater setting? Well, my professional career did, which was a sort of an accidental... Uh, I mean, I'd already played... I was doing the acoustic thing. Okay. These guys had bands. I I was playing with uh, a cellist or a pianist, you know, the acoustic coffee houses. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, the... The uh, first real job was uh, a tour of Man of La Mancha. Oh, my with, God. Uh, with Bonnie Raitt's dad, John Raitt. John Raitt. Oh, man. That's that's pretty amazing. Guys, I, I am sorry about this. No, I don't know what... Yeah, I, I, have a, I, have a, I have a solution, possibly. Okay. Um, I've got a pro account. Do you want me to... Uh, yeah. Oh. I just... It just went away. Yeah. I fixed it. Awesome. Awesome. Perfect. All right. <laughs> so, okay. So, so you, you're touring with John, John Raitt. So Bonnie's father. And I met Bonnie. <laughs> wow. On that tour. Oh my gosh. That's so when was this? How, about what time frame was this? Late seventies. Okay. And you've all, or well, you all, the two of you, both of you guys have really done all four aspects of recording. I mean, you've been the artist, you've been the session player, you've been the uh, producer, the engineers. You guys have just kind of done it all. Was that out of necessity or was it a desire to learn more? Well, uh, from, from my point of view, you just follow your nose. I was uh, I started as a session musician and a touring musician with a lot of my best friends. Okay. And then I kicked upstairs to producer uh, in the 80s. Um, so I got a little taste of everything. And also, a major part of me is, is songwriting. It always has been. So uh, uh, that's a different approach. Steve, of course, has vastly more technical knowledge than I have or have, have, ever, have ever had. Okay. <laughs> So, oh, so that that uh, brings up a question for me, uh, for Steve, actually. You've been a musical director. What exactly does a musical director do? What's, what, is their, what does that job title mean? Well, in different fields, it means different things. Okay. But, like, I've been a, in, a, in a theater piece, which I've done. It, it, it basically means that my job is to uh, generally hire the musicians, get the either hire the arranger or I'm, the musical director is just in charge of the whole deal okay. you know, it'd probably, probably be kind of like a director in a movie but it just means that you you're responsible for going from having no music to the music being played and being played correctly okay so you, you're in charge of the whole getting everybody together not just the final 
product. Just you're, you're from top to bottom. Okay. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with the stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Try doing that in person. So join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And a special offer to Performance Anxiety listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash performanceanxiety. That's betterhelp.com slash performanceanxiety. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. So how did you guys get involved in, in session work? Because immediate, the immediate family is some of the best session players ever. How did you guys get into that line of work in the first place? I just kind of fell into it from my point of view. Okay. Uh, I was lucky enough to meet Carol King very early in my career. And Carol started calling me to play on her demos. She was uh, making demos for Screen Gems Columbia. Okay. And that's how she started, was a songwriter. Yeah. And for some reason, she liked the way I played. She came down and saw my band, The Flying Machine, in Greenwich Village, and started calling me to come play on on uh, the demos. That's how I learned to play on, on uh, records, was from her. Because okay. she's a genius, genius level arranger, producer, on multiple levels. Carol is phenomenally talented. And so that was a good basis for me. And then uh, my other pal was Peter Asher. And Peter came over from London. And uh, he was also very astute, very sharp fellow. And, and I knew he was going to do very well as a producer. And he did, of course. And I learned an awful lot working with him. And also Lou Adler, an incredibly great producer. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. He was my hero because he was the coolest cat in town. Oh, yeah. And I learned an awful lot just working with him about what to do and what not to do and what not to say and just how to behave so uh studio etiquette i was very lucky in in the, the people i had that i had that i could learn from steve how did how did you get into that line of work well i think uh as like danny said you fall into it i, I think when i did so that first broadway show i know ne- ne- i've seen broadway shows it never occurred to me to play a broadway show and i was <laughs> actually kind of taking a guitar lesson i was studying theory with this guy and uh, I was already at conservatory and all that. He got a phone call. There were no phone machines. And he goes, hold on a sec. Steve, you want to go on tour with Mantle and Mancha? <laughs> <laughs> sure, I guess so. Wow. Uh, so I went from, you know, so, but once you get into any of these worlds, so I did the tour, met the conductor. I think that conductor called me in for a movie score session you just meet, then you meet people, and then you start getting calls. It, it's very organic. I think that 
that I think Danny would agree that the bottom line in the end is can you play or not? Mm. Can you do? Can you show up and do what? And if, and eventually you meet people. They if if they like it, you you keep doing it. Now I went into a different part of it than Danny did. They were making the great records, which I was very envious of, <laughs> and I was doing more film, television, theatrical because that's jingles because that's the world that I funneled into for work. Okay. Yeah. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Hey guys, I want to talk to you about socks for a second. Why not? It's a music podcast. But I tried a pair of socks from Boldfoot and loved them. I've only worn them once because my kids have stolen them. So in my household, that's the best endorsement I can give. And I guess it's fitting because the design I chose was Jailbait. Wait, Jailbird. The design I chose was Jailbird. I might keep that in. The socks are 100% American made and 5% of all proceeds go to veteran charities. It makes sense seeing that Boldfoot is a family and veteran owned company. They have a huge variety of styles. So check out boldfoot.com and buy some of the best socks you've ever slapped on your feet and help veterans while you're at it. That's boldfoot.com. Okay, so speaking of TVs and movies, Danny, I I gotta know, how did you become part of the Thamesman in Spinal Tap. Oh, okay. That's, you know, believe me, the absolute zenith of my career. <laughs> That's my favorite yeah. movie of all time. <laughs> and, uh, I still, uh, you know, I, believe me, I, I, I go to dinner a lot on that, uh, <laughs> on that credit. Um, I don't know. I was friends with, with Chris. I knew Chris and I knew uh, Rob. And um, one time I got a call. I said, well, I guess we were we were in the middle of a Jackson Brown tour towards the end of one. And I got a call. You know, can you come down here and, you know, check out this film we're doing, Danny. We want to see if you... So I went down to their office and they showed me 20 minutes of, of Spinal Tap. Okay. And I went down there with my pal, Bob Glaub, and we laughed so hard, my, my sides ached for 48 hours. <laughs> and I said, I'll do anything you guys want. And of oh. course, you know, they're great guys. I knew them already and they were great people, very bright, sharp, astute people. Oh, so, yeah. I went down there. Also, I had kind of a beetly haircut at the time, I guess. So if it flopped forward, it looked, you know, almost beetly. So okay. they, I got the role of Ronnie Pudding. That was my name in the Thamesman. <laughs> the great Ronnie Pudding. Stop wasting that Two of you meet. I met Steve at the Troubadour. Um, was there playing with um, uh, Carol and James had had uh, decided to do three days at the Troubadour to honor their 60th year in their operation or whatever it was. I can't remember. But uh, they went ahead and did it. I was really surprised actually that it happened. And Russ and Lee and I um, went and did the gig with them. And it was it was great. It was like falling off a log. We already knew what to do. Right. It was like we we'd been doing it all along, you know. And uh, that's where I met Steve. He came up and introduced himself to me, and, and uh, I recognized him as a cat, you know, that could play and that was that loved music. 
so we got along and we, we still do. So when did you guys actually start working together? Is it well before the immediate family or is this the first real thing you guys have worked professionally on? We started as soon as Danny really decided to come out and live in L.A. Okay. We just, it just fell into like a real natural, like let's do this gig, let's write a song, let's get in the studio. You know, it was, but we did it for a while. We actually went to Japan pre-immediate family as as the Danny Korsmar band. Okay. Oh, wow. Right. That was before you guys recorded anything. It was before we were a band. Okay. Yes. Actually, it was before the yeah, before we recorded. I, Danny, did you meet them on that tour that people saw, uh, was the record deal, or was that already in place when we went there? Um, okay, I got to see if I can remember all this now. <laughs> they came to the gigs. I know that. I think there was a solo deal already in in the works with Vivid Vivid Recorders in in Japan. And so because of them, that's how he knew Kaz, and then Kaz put it together for me to go. Danny Korchmar and Friends was how the first one was billed. And I had a great band with Steve, of course, and and, uh, and we had fun. We always had fun. We go to Japan. We love it. So when you guys started The Immediate Family, was was it in the same vein or same mold as The Section, or was was it a completely different idea? Completely different. Okay. Um, and the difference is we were, we were interested in songs. We wanted to, you know, all of us are prolific songwriters and we wanted to, you know, we wanted to be about the songs. We didn't want it to be a jam band, you know? Okay. Uh, and, and so, you know, Section was a jam band, basically. You know? Ah, okay. the first band jam ever can i go on record yes so, right uh, here 1972 babe you know? <laughs> anyway, uh, so this is uh what we're doing now is, is song based and and vocal based there's plenty of guitar playing on it god knows but yeah. uh, uh we're about songs we always grew up all of us all five of us grew up playing songs and we're interested in in, in, in songwriting and, and and song production and making songs more than just you know uh, taking 20 courses of, of uh, you know, all along the watchtower. So, right. <laughs> you know, well, 15, plenty of that, you know. 15 courses at the most. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so the immediate family, all right, so it consists of you guys, Danny and Steve, uh, Wadi Wachtel, Lee Sklar, and Russ Kunkel. So you guys right. are some of the most in-demand people in music. It was hard to get the band together? I mean, you guys have must have such crazy schedules. Well, of course, everyone does, especially Russell Lee and Wadi. They all have crazy schedules, it's true, but uh, it just fell together. We came in to make an album that was supposed to be my solo album for this Japanese label, and we started to play. Steve and I had done a lot of pre-production on it. We went in there, and amazingly, Russ and Lee were in town, which they're never in town, you know. <laughs> They were there. I hadn't seen either of them in a long time. 
And suddenly they agreed to work for very little money and, and uh, come in and do this stuff. And as it got going, after two or three days, uh, we realized, wow, this should be a band. It just should be a band. We love each other. We love playing this music. Waddy shows up. It's over. It's a band. That's awesome. Yeah, I guess when Waddy when came in the, the third day, and it was so, it was pretty obvious. I mean, it was, it was great, but once it was, we were hearing those three guitars and the vibe and yeah. Mm-hmm. So, who came up with the name "The Immediate Family," and is there a particular meaning that behind guy. it? I came up. I came up with it, and uh, because it is exactly—it's not the greatest name for a rock band, but it's exactly true. Okay. And that's why I thought it was good for us, because it is true. We are a family, and we are immediate. We are. I, like, I like the name. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can see that. He's got the shirt on. So you, you, and you guys have so you guys have known each other and have been playing with each other for what over forty years now. Well, different oh, people, 50. different times. I've known Russ and Lee for fifty years and been playing with them for fifty years on and off. What is the newer kid? Forty-five years. <laughs> so Steve is the newer kid, ten years. You know. So Steve's the rookie. Yeah, he's the rookie, right? All right. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys have. Uh, Recently, just in the past few months, released an e- a live EP, which yeah. is it's it's amazing. I've the songs, so it's it's what is it four songs from the album and two covers, uh, or is it three and three? I'm trying to remember exactly, but yeah, we can't. I can't remember actually, but what the set list was. I mean, what I like is the the more raw sound of the songs, like slipping and sliding. It sounds. Well, I guess more raw and, and fair warning, which I think is my favorite song on on the last album, but I like the live version even better. also do some covers is it tough to pick covers when you guys have such a huge catalog to choose from understand well, they're not they're not covers well okay that's right uh you wrote them so but other artists recorded them and, and i guess like 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 the don henley song songs we play all right. of them and we don't so like I used to introduce the band as we're a cover band that plays all original material 
<laughs> which is the case. But now we're doing half and half, completely original stuff that hasn't been covered by anyone. We got a long, long, you know, we got a pretty big repertoire of all original stuff that we created in the last few years. So I don't know if I can actually say that anymore because, uh, oh, we're, yeah. uh, you know, we're doing a lot of new stuff as well, you know. The live EP, there's there's six songs on it. How long was the set? Did you guys have to pick and choose from what you had, or was that basically everything? That's how long did we play? Ten songs? We played a lot. Not eleven songs. It was the shortest set for us because it was part of a, as a benefit. So okay. I think we played maybe eleven songs, and you know, listened to them all and just picked those six. How right. how long is a show for the immediate family? How long does it usually last? No, seven to 80 minutes. Okay. Oh, that's Sometimes 90. You know. With all the work that you've had, when you look back at all, is there anybody that you've worked with that was kind of, that, that maybe intimidated you a little bit, you're a little unsure of, of what it would be like working with this partic- particular artist, maybe uh, maybe uh, an idol from when you were growing up or somebody with a, uh, or somebody new with maybe a reputation. Is there anybody that, that kind of maybe... I don't want to say intimidated, but maybe made you think twice. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I, I got to play with a lot of my heroes. And one of the original uh, motivations for me was to play with my heroes. That's okay. what I wanted, especially when I came to L.A. And I got to play with a lot of them. But you, you see, when you're when you're there to play with somebody, you don't think about that stuff. Okay. There's no time for a hero worship. There's no time for the, oh, my God, I, I've, I've loved you so much. Forget that shit. Right. Keep your mouth shut and play what's going to help the singer and, and the, you know, the performance, what's going to help the song. Uh, so there's no time to, you know, get all, all uh, loosey-goosey with, and, and uh, fan-like. Right. If you're a fanboy, go home and listen to the stuff at home. But when you're there, you're being paid to be there. You know, that's what you do. Okay. And you, you come in as a professional, no matter who it is or how much you respect that person. And the other thing is that the people, that, to the most part, that we do play with, they're professionals and they see themselves as musicians. When we recorded Danny's record and Michael, we went in and Michael McDonald sang out or David Crosby, when they're doing that, they're in the same headspace we are. They're a musician working on music, and so are we. Right. Okay. Right. Well, so it doesn't go to fanboy. It never goes to fanboy stuff, you know? That makes total sense. And in that same vein, do you get a lot of freedom in the studio to do what you guys do? Well, speaking for myself, I generally, when I was doing sessions in the 70s mostly and into the 80s, uh, I was hired to do what I already do. Right. Okay. In other words, I wasn't hired to be everyone or to play in every style or to, you know, to be able to mimic any other guitar player. I was there because they wanted to hear what I did, what I already could do. You know, I'm I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a character actor, basically. You know, uh, uh, I, you know, and I I have one way of doing things. It's a style. It's a way I play. And if you don't want that, then get someone else. If you do want it, that's what I do. That's why I see it. Anyway. That makes total sense. Yeah. Is there more? Is is there new music in the uh, near future for the immediate family? Are you guys working on anything? That Danny just left here twenty minutes ago. <laughs> 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 we've got a, a pretty exciting new record that's was it 14 songs a lot of songs yeah, we got a lot of songs now. Wow. we're about we're 80 percent there it's, it's it's getting close mm-hmm. what's the songwriting process like for you guys with so many people in the group is there set songwriters and or is there somebody maybe who just doesn't like songwriting 
Leland doesn't like songwriting, I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> Everybody else is a songwriter, including Russell. And so we throw a lot of ideas around, and it happens in every kind of way imaginable. It happens all different ways. Sometimes we grab one of Steve's tunes, and then Wadi and I beat the crap out of it, and, you know, <laughs> and that changes to what we think is more appropriate for the band. And then Steve has to go along with us because we outnumber him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that process. Well, we, work, we work for Steve's vocal. Steve's the best singer in the band, so we, we're always working to bring him out vocally. Uh, for me, I write with Wad. I also write with, I've written some songs with my buddy Preston Sturgis, who's a terrific songwriter and poet and, and, uh, and novelist. So uh, it, it goes all different ways. In other words, okay. you know, there's, there's several different ways that it goes. And is there uh, any touring scheduled? Any, any of you guys plan on getting out on the road soon? I know it's been, it's been a couple of years for a lot of people to, before, since they've been out on the road. Is, is this something you guys have planned? We're going back out in November. Oh, excellent. Well, I promise that we would keep this as concise as possible. So I really appreciate the time that you spent with me and, and telling me about immediate family. How can people find the music? How can they follow you guys and, and learn about new music and tours? Well, it's very easy. You know, we have our own website. We have our own Facebook page. We have uh, the stuff is all over Spotify. You can find it easily there. Our latest, our, our last album, not our new album, but the, uh, the live stuff is probably is on Spotify. I'm sure. A lot of videos on, on our YouTube channel. Yeah. Uh, I think the website is immediatefamilyband.com. Yeah. And, so uh, that's it. And, and you guys are on social media? Oh, yeah. And all that stuff's probably on the website. Links, links on the website and everything. Well, it is, yes. That's right. But Immediate Family, it'll come up on Facebook and on uh, Instagram. I'm looking forward. Hopefully, when you guys come around, you'll be touring the East Coast and I can catch a show maybe in the dc area you guys come around i'd love to see a show we'll be there excellent mm -hmm. well, guys thank you so much like i said i promised I'd, I'd keep this as concise as possible with time restrictions and, all. and i thank you guys for your time and for all the amazing music for the, the past 30 40 50 years it, it's a testament to how amazing that is that it's everybody that i know is still listening to the stuff you guys recorded early on in your career and you've only gotten better Thank you very much, man. Yeah. Appreciate that. Somebody, baby She must be somebody